how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions. Today, we're talking about AI tools that we actually use, creative ways to market your brand or channel, and we're gonna be starting with the problem with plagiarism on YouTube. All right, our first question comes from Ryan Trahan. I really wanna hear you guys talk about this concept of plagiarism, and we see people copy titles and thumbnails all the time, and there's definitely, it's okay to be inspired for sure. But recently, uh, someone has tweeted me a guy who made a short, basically copying my short word for word, and also the plot that genuinely happened in my real life. But then he copied the plot, and it, it just felt so weird, and I was kind of just like bummed out by it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on plagiarism. <laughs> how, do we, how do we stop this? What are your thoughts on it? Like, how, how do you think? People should approach it, like young creators who are trying to succeed and are looking at a lot of replication that's happening across the whole platform. Mm -hmm. How would you advise, how would you advise someone? Everybody gets started inspired by their favorite creator, for sure. I think it's totally fine. I was inspired by Cody Code, do commentary videos, love them to death. I don't do those anymore. I think that's the biggest thing is like being able to see things is like, can I be inspired by it? And then do I actually have a goal of building my own thing and like being my own person online or am I only doing this motivated by money? Because I really thought about that short that I saw and it genuinely felt like a cover. And in music, if you make a song, you put it out and someone else copies it, that's a cover. It's not an original piece of music. And so I think we're just like in a new space and it's kind of weird to... I just feel awkward. Like, if I ever see that guy now, it's just like, what does he feel if he sees me? You know? My turkey's just flying everywhere. <laughs> but I think, dude, it's such a fun discussion. It makes me sad, but also I recognize I get inspired by people. And I think, I don't know, no one has actual originality. I understand that. But there's definitely a thing of plagiarism that feels like those are actually my thoughts in my head that you just took ownership of. Yeah, or your real life experience. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. That, that's so weird. Yeah. Uh, love you guys. All right, man. All right, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, dude. Thanks for the support. Yeah. <laughs> man, so this has been a problem in the art world, in creativity, mm -hmm. forever, but it's specifically become a really big problem on YouTube. And like Ryan said, like, there's copying titles and thumbnails. That's one thing, where you see someone's idea, you copy it, but then you do some sort of interpretation. Your personality is different. How the story unfolds is different. But what Ryan saw was a creator with 13.5 million subscribers who copied a short that he made where he goes to the worst rated restaurant in his town and leaves a positive review. And the creator that copied him copied it word for word and copied some of the shots. Yeah, word for word, almost scene for scene. And like Ryan said, he copied the plot. Like there were things that just happened in his actual experience where this creator went and used the same footage. Like there's a mm -hmm. clip where a helicopter's flying overhead and he includes the same clip yeah, and the same video. point of the story. Yeah. 
And this creator now has 4.5 million views on this short. It's a really big creator, but it's an original idea copied straight from Ryan. Can we watch the intros of both of them? Yeah. Today, I'm going to the lowest rated restaurant in my city and leaving a positive review. The only rule, I can't lie. Judging by the one-star reviews and the police helicopter circling the restaurant, this is going to be my hardest challenge yet. <laughs> Today, I am going to the worst rated restaurant in my city. My goal is to leave a five-star review for this one-star restaurant. But the only rule is, I can't lie. Seeing the one-star reviews online or the police helicopter circling the building, it was safe to say, I think this might be my hardest challenge yet. Wow, that is insane. Like, that is, I, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, and I, th I think, you know, the reason that this happens is because there is a metric next to the idea mm. that is proven successful. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who are, of course, on the platform looking to be successful, not necessarily to express themselves creatively. Yeah. And- when you're a creator, those things, you know, performance and expression go hand in hand. We've talked about this before about you're either an artist or you're a distributor. Mm -hmm. But if you're a creator, you're actually somewhere in the middle. You're interested in expressing yourself, but you're also concerned with the distribution. How am I going to perform on the platform? Yeah, I think performance has become such a big concept in our world in terms of how do you rank your creativity. But I think even further than that, by garnering millions of views— you can create a career, meaning you can actually make money from the platform. 4.5 million shorts views. Like, sure, it's not right now going to change your life, but you're making money from that. And if you do that on a long form video, 4.5 million views, you are making good money from that. And there's actually no consequence right now. Outside of the social dynamic of someone tweeting this out, there's no consequence to it. There's actually only upside for, for copying, right? Like, you know, back to what we were talking about, the concept of like human beings operating in feedback loops, which comes from uh, a book we both read uh, called Atomic Habits by James Clear. He talks about like, we all react to things in these feedback loops. It starts with a cue. So like, you know, for an artist, the cue is I have an idea. Then you have a craving. It's I want to express that idea. Then you have a response. I make something that expresses that idea. And then you have a reward, which is I express that idea for Right now, there's an algorithmic feedback loop that exists on the internet, which operates like this. The cue is, that video got a million views. The craving is, I want to get a million views. The response is, I'm going to copy that video exactly. The reward is, I got a million views. And you do that over and over again. And literally, there's, I mean, what's the consequence right now? And the thing is, there's such a low barrier to entry to replicate an idea. It's not like you're copying a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Like this short that was copied from Ryan was shot with a phone. Yeah. And like you were saying, there is no consequence right now. Yeah. And you know, I put myself in Ryan's shoes. As someone who does want to express themselves, there's a lot of self-worth and ego wrapped up in being an individual, being unique. Yeah. Having original ideas. And it's unfortunate that on the internet, people can copy word for word, shot for shot. And that originality is perhaps like taken and put on someone else. If other people see that before they see it from Ryan, sure, it's that creator's idea, not his. Yeah. And we, I would say like as creators, we spend the majority of our time in this studio, in this office, coming up with ideas. 
Like that's the thing that we're trying to get good at is coming up with the ideas. And what feels funny is when you put a bunch of work into an idea, you execute it, and then someone else does the thing of just like, oh, that was a good idea. I'll just do that. And you're like, but that was my work. My work was coming up with the idea, not filming and editing it. The work was like, like the reason we are who we are is because we can come up with ideas. So, I mean, it's happened to us. We've had our videos copied too. Not word for word, but like almost exact. Um, and it's a weird feeling. You know, I, I think the thing that Ryan said that's interesting to, to touch on is he said, there's no real original ideas. Mm -hmm. And that's a concept that Austin Kleon, the writer of Steel Like an Artist, explores as well. That like an original idea is that that doesn't exist because you're always, you know, collaborating with something. You're inspired by something mm -hmm. that you saw, that you experienced, that you had a conversation with someone. Like all of your ideas are, you know, coming from some type of input. And I would recommend when you're getting started to do just that, to be aware of what you're inspired by. Yeah. For you and I, we re-engineered videos from creators that we really liked. Yeah. They weren't always the exact same title and thumbnail, but mm -hmm. sometimes we would take concepts or the way that they shoot some sort of style. Yeah. And just to learn, how did they do this? And then evolve from there. But here, I think it's a step too far. Yeah. Like, I think creators need to know that word for word, shot for shot, you can't do that. It's not okay. You can't do that. And I think like we're in a moment where, again, there's no consequence on YouTube. But Ryan said in that conversation that it feels like someone played a cover song. Mm -hmm. Like he wrote an original song and then someone played that cover. And, and yet it's not recognized as a cover. But it's not recognized as a cover. And that potentially like dilutes his brand. Right. And it changes his experience and the way so, he felt about making that, yeah. that piece. And I think as you know, AI starts to come into the picture and, you know, Google and YouTube definitely have these tools because they're transcribing our videos. But like, is there a world where similar to how we can issue a content ID strike? If someone takes our exact video and uploads it to their channel, we get notified and we can actually take action on that. Mm -hmm. We can make a decision on what we want to do. Is there a world where if someone uses the exact same script, like word for word, can it go back to the original and be like, hey, someone's using your exact script? Or even above 90 or 95%. Yeah. Right? Because like you said, YouTube can read, has these transcriptions right. of what's being said in the video. So I feel like in our YouTube dashboard in the back end, it would be great to be notified, hey, this video mm -hmm. is 95% similar to yours in yeah. terms of the script. Yeah. Or the thumbnail is this similar, this percentage. And you perhaps have, have some sort of course of action where you can dispute it similarly yeah. to if someone just actually rips your video and uploads it. I mean, this is an issue, you know, beyond these past couple of weeks, you know, like there's, there's uh, foreign language channels, like Russian channels who've been copying Eric and, and Mr. Beast. Um, we, we've seen this across YouTube, like for a long time. And Ryan's question is like, what do we think he should do about it? Or what should the, what, what should happen right now? And the only thing I could say is that I think, more creators should should be expressing that it's not okay. Because I do think that the only thing that can happen unless YouTube steps in and says, plagiarism isn't okay, and here's how we're gonna combat it. Unless that happens, the only thing that can happen is we push out a message saying that plagiarism isn't okay, right? Yeah. It'll and have, to, it'll no have to start culturally because the platform will continue to reward- right copies because they've proven to work once they right, will right, work again. Right, right. Right. So the platform's not going to be able to tell 
That's the issue. I think they like, should work on being able to tell. The issue here is like, I mean, I guess like, you know, could Ryan, you know, contact him and be like, hey, you copied my thing. It's like, he's not going to go through that. The pl- I, th- I do think the platform should support it. Um, and I think in the short term, you know, like, I think we just have to be more open about these discussions and dialogues that don't copy other people's stuff. I was surprised when I looked into the creator that it was a creator who has 13 and a half million subscribers. Yeah. It's like, whoa, you are a serious yeah. distribution platform. Yeah. Like you are, people are really aware of what you're doing. And they're also aware of what Ryan's doing. Like you are, that's, yeah. that's like- That's like for real. Yeah. That's really significant. Yeah. In, in closing on this subject, like for young creators, uh, have, have multiple inputs. But if you are inspired by, you know, a creator- I will say it's okay, like you said, to reverse engineer their idea. Austin Kleon talks about this. Read Steal Like an Artist. Steal Like an Artist will inform you, like, what does it mean to be inspired by someone? What's okay? What's the line? I think every creator should read Steal Like an Artist so they can understand, like, where does this line start and stop? Because essentially what he's saying is, like, it's like taking apart a car and just seeing how the parts fit together that's like, if, if for us, when we were starting, we were trying to vlog and we were doing stuff similar to Casey and I sat, we're doing drone shots, trying to, you know, talk to camera in a certain way. I mean, we sounded we, like him. Yeah, we sounded, we, we literally are, are like articulation, our diction, like everything sounded like him. And it wasn't good because it was a bad copy yeah. of Casey, but it got us creating and got us to figure out like, how do you piece together a story? What makes this, you know, a compelling video? But we we had no choice but to develop an original, you know, angle on how we were going to do it because we it was a terrible copy. Of yeah. Casey. It's, it's not to say that the videos we made that were very Casey esque, probably like that they that they didn't make Casey uncomfortable. Not that I know if he's sure, seen yeah, them or not. Yeah. I would understand if he looked at a lot of the copycats. Yeah, it wasn't like, just us. A lot of, it was yeah, the whole it wasn't platform. just us. It was the a whole lot platform. of people. Yeah, but I would imagine it would make the creator uncomfortable. You know, it's one thing to replicate Ryan's Penny series and make your own series. Sure. Trying to cross the country, yeah, you know, yeah. on a penny. It's another to copy the lines. That's what I'm saying. Shots. Like if we took and a Casey like, Neistat vlog and lived his day and word for word yeah. experienced his life experience, that's weird. And it got just as many views. That's weird. And a lot of people were watching it. That's yeah. strange. That's someone who is, imagine if there were two creators having a podcast and they just ripped our entire- Word for word. Word for word. Yeah. <laughs> that would freak me out. That'd and be strange. one of them wore a jumpsuit. Yeah, well, those are those are becoming more popular. So well, they're not. They're not yeah, that popular. No, I can't imagine popular. a world yeah. where that would happen. Uh, well, I, I want to turn this, you know, to the rest uh, of the group. Like, of course, you know, everyone watching and everyone listening, you know, we're all in this space. We're in the creator space. Like, what what do we do about a direct plagiarism and copying in the space? I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Can I lighten up the show a little bit and ask my own creator yeah. support question, please? As a podcast host who hosts with another, yeah. like a co-host, okay, if you were Recording a show and one of the hosts had a full glass of cold brew, mm-hmm. but the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. Would it would it be okay to ask for some of the cold brew and split it? <laughs> That's my question. Yes, thank yes. you. Okay, but let me let me offer why I didn't offer to fill yours up. Okay, because you've already had a full cup. Yeah, and I know how you get when you have too many. But I I need something. Yeah, I got I an empty glass. I know. Here. Okay. Okay. One thank second. Thank you. Oh wait, I should do this so the listeners can hear. Thank you. Okay. All right. right. Great. Next question. 
Uh, this one comes from the published press from Maryland. Are there any AI tools you think creators can use? Man, artificial intelligence is getting pretty crazy in the world of creativity. It's all the rage. It's all the rage. And it's actually something we've been using for a while. Like most creators have probably been using some level of AI for a while, whether that's through transcribing their videos, through, um, you know, even like composing an email or writing in a Google doc. Have you noticed? Like it'll finish your sentences. It's mm -hmm. pretty insane. Um, so like, there's some level of AI that's like slowly integrating, but the most explosive version of artificial intelligence that really made us open our eyes was ChatGPT. And I think with that, it, it was like, so what else is out there? And everyone is looking around now, like Runway. People are looking at Synthesia. People are looking at like, how can you make AI music? How can you make AI thumbnails? Like it's, it's a pretty wild world. I would say that MidJourney has been the craziest tool that I've seen and I've actually seen creators use, and we have actually used. So here's an example of how we used MidJourney. We had a thumbnail that we were making for our interview with Mark Rober, but the photo that we had didn't fill the whole frame yeah. of the thumbnail. So we used MidJourney to fill out the rest of the room behind Mark, and it just like figured out what the room probably looked like. It added a light in the corner. It was crazy. We just wrote like mid-century modern Creative office. Creative office, and it just filled the background. For people watching on YouTube, we'll put it on the screen. Like We'll post it in the subreddit. Yeah, but, you know, we've seen other creators mock up thumbnails with MidJourney, and it's insane. Yeah. It's completely insane. Um, Synthesia is another tool that I've, I've found that is, um, essentially, you can upload a, a photo of yourself um, and create like a training video, you can upload a script and it'll create a voice. And it's essentially like, you know, synthetic media. It's like a deep fake of yourself talking. And people are using that for um, corporate training videos. You kind of remind me of Crypto Samir right now from a year ago, saying things like Synthesia. Synthesia is a brand you know, name. Like a year ago, you, a, a year ago you were saying non-fungible token. Now you're out here saying Synthesia. What? Synthesia. Say it again. Synthesia. Synthesia. You know what yeah. I mean, though? Yeah, 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 sure. Like, it felt like 2020 was creators, sure. 2021 was crypto, 2022 was crypto. No, 2020, 2021, creators. 2022, everyone started talking about crypto. Yeah. Now it's AI. Yeah, I think 2022 was the fall of crypto. Sure. Yeah, you got your dates mixed up right now, man. And see, you're having too much coffee. Yeah. You got too much cold brew in you now. See, this is why I didn't offer yeah, it That makes you. the show more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Another AI software that we actually have used is Adobe Shasta. Project Shasta, yeah. Project Shasta. I think it's called something different now. What's it called? Now it's so, called Adobe Podcast, yeah. So basically what it will do is take audio that's messed up yeah. and recreate it. Like if a lav mic or something mm -hmm. was messed up or you just recorded with your phone and it's not great audio, you run it through this program and it will detect your voice and recreate it and it's almost perfect sometimes. It's scary. Dude, it's scary. It's, it's unbelievable how much it, it eliminates background noise. It'll just take the voice. It, it's one of the most useful tools that I've seen for creators. Uh, absolutely. I mean, actually every day we're sending something to Jesse yeah. and being like, can you please Shasta this? Yeah. 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 We're Shasta all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Did you see this Joe Rogan, Andrew Huberman deep fake ad that was going viral on TikTok? Yeah. Scary. There's a category of supplements that are very interesting. 
work very well to increase testosterone by about 100 to 200 points. Well, look, that Alpha Grind product is all over TikTok. If you go to Amazon and you type in libido booster for men, you're going to find it right at the top. I'm just going to pause it there. That's not Joe Rogan talking. That's insane. Yeah. And if you're watching, there's an actual video of him yeah. saying that. And it's crazy that AI can take footage like that, change the way his mouth looks, recreate his voice and have him just say whatever. Right. And now he's like, selling some product that he never actually was telling people to go buy. No, it, and I mean, it's running as an ad. It has millions of views. Uh, and you, you take people who's, you know, part of our product is obviously our original ideas, but a lot of that over time as we build a community, it's trust. And if you took, you know, us, if you clipped out us and deep faked us saying, you know, hey, try this product or something like and, and people trust us, they're probably going to take an action on that. And that's really scary. Yeah, it's actually a threat to the entire industry because the majority of creators make their money primarily from advertising. Yeah. And brand deals, like yep. out of their own mouth, endorsing a product. And it took a, it took a while for the advertising industry to trust creators mm -hmm. and to really put their money uh, and their faith behind these individuals. Yeah. And it's still been a process. And something like this, if it really picks up and people can't tell, uh, is a huge threat. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's a really unique time. And like, I don't know what happens here. I think this is another problem that platforms, how are they going to be able to tell? Like, how, how can you keep up with this? How can you tell if that was Joe Rogan or not? It's crazy. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's like facial recognition and you start to get notified if videos of you are starting to get posted. I mean, we're, we're starting to see this where this is not deep fakes, but now beyond it's like, you know, people take our content and clip it up and post it across other accounts. And it's, you know, it's tough to distinguish which, which piece of content we're posting and we're not posting. I mean, everyone is, you know, people are cutting up our content and posting it. Um, and it's getting shared and it's getting shared. I mean, there's a clip of Andrew Schultz, Andrew yeah. Schultz from an account that looks like it could have been us Yeah, that he shared through. And the issue there is Samir and I were talking about this yesterday. What if someone cuts a clip of a guest that we had on the show, but takes them out of context yeah. or represents them in a way that they're not happy with. Mm -hmm. And then it gets posted on an account that seems like you and I are in control of it. Yeah. That can hurt our trust. Yeah. With some of these creators that we have on the show, mm -hmm. which again is like a huge part of the business. Like yeah. You're building trust over time. Yeah. So I think this, this whole thing, it's becoming very hard to distinguish like what's actually from the brand, what's not. And like verifications are not enough anymore. I don't think, you know, like having a blue check mark is not like, oh, well, I guess that's the official, that's their official account. Like that's not enough anymore. We probably have one step, you know, more to be like, unless it comes from this account, who knows? Yeah. You know? it's maybe we got to get back to the blockchain and you have to be able to okay, verify take it. Easy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Crypto I'm just saying, just saying, take it easy. just going to throw it out there. No. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. You got to be able to verify it. Who knows? Okay. This comes from JM something helpful on our subreddit. What are some creative ways you've brought awareness to your channel that worked other than uploading? Okay. First thing I'll say since the beginning, my mom, has been telling people about my YouTube channels yeah, okay. from Good. the beginning. Yeah. Going up to strangers sure. at times okay. and asking them to subscribe. 
Mm-hmm. So probably added a good. I'll offer that six subscribers from no that. uploads yeah. there, <laughs> but you know, family and friends. Word well, of mouth is what yeah. I is what I'm getting. I to. think I think that's Truly. number one. What you have to recognize is that my perspective on marketing is that I think I've said before, eighty percent is word of mouth and twenty percent is the stuff that amplifies word of mouth. So that's like you know, advertising, you know, marketing, I might have changed my perspective now to say like 90% of marketing is word of mouth. So, you know, what's the most powerful way to raise awareness is that people are talking about your stuff. Again, people trust each other. They trust their friends. So if I told you to go to a restaurant, you're going to trust that more than the billboard that you drive by. But if I tell you and you drive by that billboard, you're like, I'm going to go there. So, I would say that networking has been one of the biggest ways we've grown our channel and raised awareness for it. You know, I even think back to early days when we, you know, were were not really a very big channel at all, had not made any content or uploaded any content that deemed, you know, large awareness. When the Yes Theory boys went on Impulsive, Logan asked what their favorite channel was. Hmm. And Amar said, check out Colin and Samir. It's just like a small example of like us building relationships and, and you know, collaborating with a lot of creators and, and raising awareness for us through just the network, the broader network of our industry. So I've always believed that whatever industry you're in, you need to be very present in that industry. You have to become someone that, you know, is authentically present, but also provides value beyond the uploads so that the industry knows how to talk about you. And, you know, when you think about word of mouth like that, you also have to have, be so clear how someone should talk about you, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's something that you and I have focused on for a long time. Even, you know, early days, we used to talk about headlines. And whenever we think about a new project, we try and write the headline, even if it's just in our head, if it's not pen to paper, but I try and do that all the time. Like even with creator support, launching this channel, like in our heads, we're very clear of like, okay, what's the headline? How do people talk about this channel? Because that's 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 how you raise awareness is people talking. I also think this may be, you know, this is going to vary depending on what your channel is and what your value prop is to your community. But in-person events yeah. for me are so loud. Here in Venice, do you remember when Venice Run Club started taking off? Yep. So Venice Run Club, super simple. It's just a group that meets twice a week and runs. You and I did it once and we almost we ran like a marathon it was exhausting out of no we're not cardio yeah, yeah. guys and by a marathon i think it was four miles yeah, it was about four miles but but that was a marathon so that has steamrolled because they have photographers there yeah and everyone's sort of sharing this group run mm-hmm. around venice they have a brand logo to it they made merchandise they're not reaching algorithmic levels of people mm-hmm. but when you film or take photos of 200 people in one place, mm-hmm. it's so loud, especially across platforms like Instagram or TikTok. Like you're just not sure. used to seeing things like that. So if you can come up with like a low lift way to have an event that provides value to your community, I think that's also a way to like mm-hmm. spread awareness just via the imagery of that event. So I just want to think back to when we were first starting on our channel, we just messaged out that we were going to be at a coffee shop in Colorado and like eight people showed up, but we had a really great time with those eight people, those eight members of our community. Mm -hmm. I think that stuff is so important when you're, when you're starting out, like 
we don't just exist in a digital world. Even though the numbers on the screen are what you feel like are your success metrics, it's actually the transformation of your audience that's the success metric. So if you can put yourself in a position where you're actually transforming people, where you're providing value and that's materializing in real life, you know, that's that's what you're doing as a creator. It's not just numbers on a screen. And so I would say that like bringing awareness has to do with that same thing. It's the physical, real life interactions that are going to amplify what you're doing. And in order for that to actually work, you have to have clarity in what you're doing. It has to be like in a sentence you could describe. Colin and Samir make content that educates creators. You know, you have to be able to, people have to be able to say that about you um, in order for awareness to actually spread. How about Rihanna during the halftime show? Let's talk about word of mouth right there. Grabbing her makeup. Fenty Beauty. Yeah. Performance. 833% increase in searches for Fenty. That's amazing. Granted, it's the Super Bowl halftime show, but what a uh, smart integration, like to take advantage of that opportunity. And she's not even saying Fenty. No, like she no, literally no, just no. touched her face for a second. Yeah, but it's 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 making people talk. I'm just you know? saying, be like Rihanna. Yeah, I mean, she got paid zero dollars. You know, you don't get paid to to do the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, but if you're crafty and smart, and you can make people talk. You know, it's about the memes that come out afterwards. It's about you know how iconic the performance was. It's about that weird moment where it's like, why did she just touch up her makeup? If you have to ask someone next to you on the couch, what was that? Why did she, did you just see her? touch up her makeup and mm -hmm. someone goes, oh my God, that was Fenty Beauty. That's her makeup line. Who's sitting on the remote? Shout out to Tubi. That was the best Super Bowl that commercial. got me. Uh, my heart started racing. But you know what they did? That was so um, incredible. If you guys, so if you're not in the US, we're, we're going to go into a little Super Bowl discussion right now. So, you know, people in the US don't watch Super Bowl. You don't know that. I mean, I mean people outside of the US don't really watch the Super Bowl, right? I don't, I mean, I would think a lot of people watch the Super Bowl. Outside of the US? You think yeah. someone's like in the middle of the night watching a That's true. I guess two and a half timing, hour, the two and a half hour football game between the Eagles and Look, the Chiefs? Again, man, I'm just getting into sports. So like, don't ask me international sports questions about like viewer consumption habits. Right. I'm just <laughs> yeah. dipping okay. my toe okay. in. But the Super Bowl is the biggest advertising, you know, event in the US. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of gotten absurd. It's $7 million to buy a Super Bowl commercial. And to actually make that impactful is extremely challenging because now having a celebrity in is kind of expected. And what makes people talk is unexpected things. So last year, Coinbase did the QR code mm -hmm. where like all of a sudden for 30 seconds, there was just a QR code on our screen and a, and a black screen. That was unexpected. Everyone was talking about it. What's going on? This year, streaming platform Tubi, which may be the first time I've heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen their name a few times. The first time I've heard of them. What was so impactful about that is it opened with the actual commentators of the Super Bowl. Did you know that? No, I didn't it notice. Opened, I mean, it was just so seamless. It was Greg Olson, and I don't remember the other guy, but the actual commentators were, were on screen. And then the ad started. So they actually, like how smart to integrate the actual commentators so you think it's normal. And then all of a sudden it looks like the remote has been picked up and someone by accidentally is, is sitting on the remote and it's like scrolling through streaming apps. That was so smart. Yeah. Because I looked over and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then you're like, wait, this is a commercial. So on the other end of the spectrum, before the game, Prime, Logan and KSI's hydration drink, had a commercial mm -hmm. right before the game. And it was, 
Um, look, I was really excited to see a creator brand have a commercial on this stage. Yeah. And the story of it was loud. The fact that they mm-hmm. were going to have a commercial. The execution of it, I have to be honest, I was like a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And that's what people said on Twitter too when we posted about it. I just, I felt like it was actually a commercial for me, for someone who really deeply understands creators mm-hmm. and understands their story. Mm-hmm. It was like a, like a montage sort of recapping the Prime story. Right. And I actually wanted to see a Prime commercial that was aimed at the masses. Yeah, that was For original. someone who maybe mm-hmm. doesn't know Logan Paul fully, doesn't know KSI, doesn't know all of the background about the drink. Like, what could they do if they got really creative to make a Super Bowl-style yeah. commercial for their product? Yeah, or even hired, you know, a bunch of creators to do it. I mm-hmm. think that would have been cool. You know, like a bunch of storytellers— like it's such a culture on YouTube right now of creators making, you know, ads for prime or feastables. Like there's a culture of that. I mean, very cool that it was DIY. Uh, yeah. and that, you know, you check Twitter and the editor is telling us that yeah. he's the Shout one. Out who Gio. I mean, that's so like, cool. Super cool. And like fast paced edit. Yeah. But again, for me, it was like, I f- it felt so creator native, which yeah. was cool, but I also it's- wanted to see like, what does it look like when you transcend I agree. I, I think, uh, I mean, you know, I think they're starting to transcend like with their UFC partnership. And, oh my like, gosh. And Arsenal. Oh, it's crazy. And they're going to have a lot of opportunities the, to create like the traditional commercial. The traditional I ad. wonder if they knew, again, back to what we're talking about, this concept of bringing awareness, being word of mouth. If they knew that the story of the commercial had already earned them enough exposure and media that whatever the commercial was almost didn't matter. And that was something that we talked about. Like, they already won because of the story that the first creator-led brand was going to run a Super Bowl commercial. Now, again, caveat is it ran before the game, but, you know, that story was so loud. Mm-hmm. Front Office Sports covered it. Like, everyone covered it. They got a bunch of earned media out of that. And whatever the commercial was, like, people aren't going to remember the commercial. They're going to remember that they were the first creator brand to run a Super Bowl commercial. Mm-hmm. So, again, back to, like, bringing awareness to yourself— Sometimes the story of the story is more important than the actual story. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The story of what you did is more important exactly than actually what, what happened. What you did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so again, the, the biggest thing for, you know, JM, something helpful on subreddit, write down the headline of what you're doing and figure out ways that you can actually network with people to, to create word of mouth, create conversation about what you're doing. Speaking of the subreddit, let's yep. get to a question from the moderator mm. of the subreddit r slash Colin and Samir. Hey, Colin and Samir. No robot yet here from the Reddit, but you can also call me Valentin. And I have a question for you because I'm currently working on a new show, a new YouTube series that will be potentially released as a series. So I'm not going to be like every week uploads. I'm going to be producing a couple episodes and then launching them. But my question is now, should I release them all at once? So like six or so episodes are ready for people to binge? Or should I parse it out for a couple of weeks? So I have like two months of content and then produce more in the meantime. I'm really unsure which way to go. So I'd love to get your insight. All right. Take care and love the show. All right. So the question is, you've batch produced a bunch of content. Do you put it all out at once so people can binge it like a Netflix series or do you schedule it and have it come out more like HBO? I think you schedule it. And I'm like pretty firm on that. I think you schedule it. Um, 
because you can react to how the audience is receiving it. Yeah, you may need to make some changes. You have to make. You might have to change how you're distributing it, how you're thumbnailing it, how you're titling it. Um, I think that it's wonderful when you batch produce something, but I don't think you should expect it to be done because whenever you're putting something out, you are working with the audience. And that's the beauty of the information that we have and the world that we live in where it's like we can create something and based on how everyone responds, we're going to adjust. And people will have a lifetime to binge it. Yeah. Even if it takes you six weeks or 12 weeks to put everything out. For the rest of eternity, it can be binged. <laughs> yeah. So make sure during that window when you're releasing it week to week, you are making adjustments to make it as good as it could possibly be. Because again, it's going to live forever once you press publish the way it is. I think that was a mistake we made early on in our career is just not thinking about how evergreen our videos were. Yeah. And always thinking about them in the context of like the the seven days after this video goes up. You know, like what's that like? Not like- hey, what are the two years like after this video goes up? Yeah, yeah, are we saying anything of value? Yeah, because if you start thinking about that time window, you know, like, what does it look like? What does this video look like two, three, four years later? All of a sudden, you think in a different context. You're like, hmm, should I adjust this to make sure it ex it can exist in four years? We, we think about, like, a big library and us adding a book to the shelf. But that book is now just there. And hopefully, as people come into this library, that book is appealing enough for them to pull it off the shelf and read it for years to come. That's how you have to think about your videos. Yeah, it's giving me a little bit of uh, solace and a sense of calm, considering we haven't uploaded to our main channel. I am feeling the pressure. Oh, I feel pressure. But at the same time, time, we're working on some videos and telling some stories that I hope can be watched for the next 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. I, I don't necessarily care if it takes an extra week. I agree. I think what's crazy for me right now is that we haven't uploaded to our main channel in two months now, as of today, two months. Um, but we're getting millions of views on that channel. This is strange, right? Like we haven't uploaded anything new, but millions of people are watching our work. So when you think about it in that context, you recognize like whatever you put up really matters. <laughs> are you specifically talking about our YouTube short? That no, is, that is no. exploding right now. No, that has too many views. I that, that I don't even like that. That like, doesn't exist in my mind. That video we yeah. uploaded a YouTube short has 16 million views, and we're like we're scratching our head because really? it was like it, we it was a good concept, but it's not like th the best thing we've done, and it might become our most viewed video ever across shorts and longs. Yeah, <laughs> and that's like the troubling. Vi the virality of short form content—it's troubling. Yeah, sometimes freaks me out. Oh, all, like all of a sudden you're just in front of so many people so quickly, dude. I told you this, but now I need to tell all of you this. Uh, the the concept of virality of short form content. I was checking out at the grocery store, and the cashier looked at me and said, "Hey." You're the baggy pants guy from the Emma Rogue Fit Check video, right? What's your least favorite fashion trend right now? Baggy pants. I think sagging is going to come back too soon. Do you even know what that is? And I was like, I am that guy. That's amazing. I'm getting recognized from like a single YouTube short. Granted, it has 8 million views, but that's crazy. And it's a strong opinion. And I stand firm to that. The anti-baggy pants man. Yeah. yeah. Um, now that we're in the deep end, mm -hmm. can I share a gripe? Well, that was gross. Don't that was do me. That. Don't I, do that. Goggles and snorkel. Don't on. do that. If you're here with us, please post a snorkel emoji uh, because you've officially entered the deep end, and I'm about to. <laughs> okay. No, okay, we Jesse, can't. No. 
No, Jesse, no, if you are it. watching, just turn on the lights. Stop it. And if you're listening, come over to YouTube stop and check it, it out. Yeah. That was insane. That was crazy. Stop that. Okay. All right. Carry on. The we're, deep end. we're officially in the deep end. Yeah, we're officially in the deep end. Um, I was at a coffee shop over the weekend and I order my coffee and I'm waiting. And then they go, Samir. And I walk up and another guy comes up and puts his hand on the coffee. And I look over at him and he's an Indian man. And I said, huh, is your name Samir? Okay. And he goes, yeah. And then I go, my name's Samir. And he looks me dead in the eye and goes, yeah, it's a common name and Whoa. walks away. And I was like, what? Wow. I was like my whole yeah. life. I've, when I meet another Samir, it is typically, typically this like explosive huh. friendship, you know, that's like, wow. wow, I've only met three in my life. Mm. And he looked me dead in the eye and goes, yeah, man, it's a common name. Tell you what. And walked out. When I meet another Colin, I do not share that enthusiasm. Yeah, of course. I'm like, there's only room enough for one. Right. Right. Get out of town. So maybe that's how he felt. So he I'm was, that He guy. was like, don't even tell me there's another Samir. Yeah, I'm that yeah. guy. Like I am the only, the one and only. Mm. Get out of this coffee shop. Mm. Scram. Isn't that messed up? My, no, that is Basically my gripe up. is like, if you have an uncommon name yeah. and someone else has that name, you should share excitement. Yeah. No, it is fun. I had a childhood friend named Colin growing up and it was great. It was fun. We shared that. Stop trying to relate to me on this. Colin what is more mean? common in the US than Samir. All I'm just saying is like, sometimes <laughs> it's a nice delight. Okay. The la let's just do one more question. The last question. What is the value of having intro card slash jingle? It's something we've been debating with this show. So I figured good opportunity to ask all of you folks in the deep end about this. Um, you know, basically the, the high level of this question is, you know, intro cards or, or, or jingles like sounds. Um, a lot of big creators use them. I mean, David Dobrik, that is a very recognizable sound. Was that mm -hmm. it? Yep, that was it. I mean, it. you guys recognize it. Yeah, yeah, you're the guy that made the jingle. <laughs> so like th those jingles, I've always been very um, attracted to them. You're I pro jingle. I'm very pro jingle because I think, you know, the HBO sound. Ba -bong, or is that know? Netflix? Oh, that's Netflix. Sorry. I was going to say, <gasps> man. Oh, HBO is. <laughs> yeah, that's HBO. Yeah, this is crazy. I can't do any of these jingles. You know the YouTube one? It's yeah, like, now it's like. It's like. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's, crazy. it's real weird. It goes so long. Okay, so those jingles like put you in a mindset in a context where it relates to the content you're about to watch. I think with the Colin and Smear show, like on the main channel, those interviews, that sound that we have, you know, it it tells you like I'm about to enter into this world of the Colin and Smear show. Now, when you come to YouTube, the challenge is that definitely impacts retention because not everybody wants the jingle. They're like, give me the content. Mm -hmm. And I would think that everyone who's a retention specialist on YouTube would say, Cut the jingle. Yeah, and you can't skip the jingle. You can't skip when the jingle. When you're watching Netflix and HBO, yeah. you can skip it. Well, you can skip intros. White Lotus? Yeah. You know, you only need to... Actually, I watched the White Lotus one. <laughs> I watched that one a lot. Yeah, that one's great. That but, one's fun. But see, that's... that's So now we're talking about like platform jingles, like Netflix, uh, show intros, The Office. These are all iconic. And mm -hmm. I definitely think that like iconography matters. Like the office is still funny and would still be funny without the intro song. Yeah. But that intro song unites the group of people who are hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same when it comes to YouTube or anything else, but it's something we're struggling with, with this show, as we now have, have brought it onto YouTube. The, the show kind of could just start with us going, what's up everyone. Welcome to creator support. The show where we answer your questions. Our first question is 
And that's like a way that gets you to the value of the show way quicker. Yeah, but I think it's all about the culture that you want to make, right? Yeah, and that agreed. you want to provide agreed. to your audience. Like some of the sounds dictate certain moods. Um, and it comes down to the fonts that you choose and the way that you light it and what's in the background and what yeah. you wear and whatever. Like that all plays into the experience that the audience gets. And I just think you still should keep that element of making what you would want to watch. And if yeah. it includes some sort of jingle or branding in the beginning, then put it in. Yeah, I think I think building a brand is very important. And on YouTube, we should all think about building a brand rather than just generating the most amount of views. Yeah, you're not just building a retention machine. Yeah, yeah. It's better if you build a brand. Right. All right. Well, let us know what you think about our jingle. Right now, it's just two rings because we actually put it together the day we uploaded our first YouTube video. So if you have a jingle, I know we've gotten some from the audience, but if you have a creator support jingle you think we should use, send it in. If you have more questions, you can put them in our subreddit, put them in the comments here, or tweet them at us at Colin and Smear. We'll see you next week.